As Bon Jovi living on a prayer before that cold play him for the weekend. And coming up next, of course, this is the last hour of the show, 13 minutes after nine on Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM. Safe driving. It is holidays, silly season indeed, and we do all kinds of strange things. And especially after, you know, consuming a bit of happy juice, and then you just start thinking that you're invincible. Uh, You could actually state that you can fly. And, you know, we start making very, very unusual decisions. But anyway... Uh, Association of um, Alcohol Responsibility and Education has advice for everyone making plans for their office um, year year end party. You need to consume your alcohol in moderation. Opt for alternative to self-driving after partying. Okay, I was about to suggest that, you know what, you have one intoxicating drink and then you have water, H2O, in between. But then it doesn't really work because still... You can get a little bit happy in that instance. But uh, joining us online, um, I do have our guest, uh, Mokebe Tulo, aware.org.za, head of brand, uh, maybe helping us to find means and ways to stay as safe as possible. We want to see you in 2024. Mokebe, good, good morning. Welcome to Jet Set Breakfast. Good morning, Bertha. Thank you so much for having us. And thank you for joining us this morning. And it is so important that we talk about being safe this season because really, honestly, in a blink of an eye, you could just become a stat. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Oh, yes. So let's talk about, do you have any safety tips? Yes, of course. I mean, yeah. It's a little bit, uh, I suppose, uh, disconcerting and a little bit sad that we have to have the same conversation year on year. But I guess that's how education and behavioral change happens, Bertha. But what we say is that you need to keep an always-on mindset. What that means is that you don't only think about uh, driving safely when it is the end of the year or when it is Easter or when it is a specific time of the year. Um, I think what the the gap is in the thinking of the South African road user perhaps is that, I don't know, perhaps it's not it's not always top of mind that we need to be safe on our roads. And do we need more messages and campaigning? Because like you just highlighted when you said, you know, we say this every year, come around this time, same message. And it's been going on and on and on. And the stats just don't seem to get any better. If it's a decrease, it's a very insignificant decrease. Maybe, I don't know, do we need to change the narrative here? I mean, I think we're making strides. Uh, We're definitely making strides in the right direction. And as you said, there is a drop in the numbers as we speak. Um, Even if you look at the numbers year on year, this year versus last year, you can see that there is a decrease in most of the regions. The only increases uh, in terms of fatalities when it comes to um, accidents has have been Gauteng and Mpumalanga thus far. Um, but I think it's it's also about you know tackling this uh, problem in a bit of a different way. And uh, what we always at aware say is that it's an all of society problem, and the fact that 
there is, you know, a sense of not being safe on the road is a problem for all of us. So it's not it's not uh, just about uh, having campaigns at certain times of the roads. Um, and we've done this. We work throughout the year with the likes of the Road Traffic Management Corporation and the JMPD, um, as well as other metros. Um, but I think it's it's also time to sort of open the conversation in different directions and get more people involved because it's not just the drivers that need to be thinking about this. It's all of us because it affects all of us. And what are the repercussions of, you know, driving under the influence? Let's say you are at a a road stop and they find that, yes, you are heavily intoxicated. What are we expecting in terms of charges? Maybe that can wake us up a bit. I mean, the reality is that South Africans, for some reason, um, and this is a a nuanced insight, are not afraid of dying on the road. They're more afraid of getting caught. And the reality is that if you drive under the influence, chances are that you will get caught. And if you want to take a sober breath and have a sober thought, you must think about the possible repercussions of being caught driving under the influence. Just imagine the scenario, whether it be on a weekend, during the week. uh, We know that uh, most of these incidences occur um, between certain hours, um, particularly over the weekend. But spending the night in jail, uh, having a criminal record, potentially losing your uh, employment, um, having to explain to your family members what it is that you did, having to explain to anyone else that might have been involved in, you know, your harm, um, what it is that you've done. I mean, the repercussions are absolutely not worth taking the risk. And this this idea of um, uh, people feeling, um, as you said, to use your word, invincible after a drink or two is is almost ridiculous, um, especially when we consider that there are all these alternative means. This is absolutely unnecessary. There are 0% alcohol products um, that people may use. There are convenient transport services. Um, There's the option of using uh, designated drivers. And I can, you know, take off a couple more alternatives on this list of alternatives that can avoid us being in this position again and again. So let us you know, open up the narrative, open up our minds and actually think about what we are doing, what our actions are before we take them. Mm. And do you think maybe changing uh, the cutoff age could help? Maybe to say alcohol can only be consumed 21 and above. I would just say maybe from even 25 and above. I mean, (laughs) this debate um, has been ongoing and... I think, you know, different people have different beliefs when it comes to that. We believe that all decisions that are made have to be research-based. So we don't have a stance when it comes to whether it be 18 or 21. We work with the fact that it is currently 
uh, 18. Um, at 18, a young person is able to vote, for example, um, in an election. Um, I don't necessarily think it has, you know, uh, it, it, I don't think it hinges on the age of the person. I think it hinges on the narrative and the thinking around alcohol consumption. And it's it's this whole idea of sort of social acceptance that r runs uh, rife in South Africa when it comes to conversations about alcohol consumption. Mm. I just got a, a, a WhatsApp that says all these alternatives to drunk driving cost money. Not all can afford the extra. That's from Kaz in, in, in Durban. There was once a drive, uh, the zero tolerance drive. I don't know. It seemed to way back then it made a little bit of impact. I don't know what happened to it. And maybe when we say zero, totally, completely zero. So if you consume any you know, even if you if you blow into that, uh, what do you call it, where where they blow, where they say blow, we want to check mm -hmm. the breathalyzer, um, how much co how much alcohol content is in your system. I think maybe they should just come up with a once there is any sign that you you have a little bit of a you know a, a tinsy wincy fume coming out of your mouth, <laughs> then yeah, it's the end of you until and then it's the end of you. I mean, again, Bertha, it goes back to the science of it, right? It goes back to how do we change behavior? And if we look at studies, if we look at the numbers, does changing it to 0%, for example, there is a 0% uh, related to under 18 consumption. Okay, so under 18s are not allowed to consume alcohol, but that is not the reality on the ground, right? So what what we can put into place are interventions that are realistic working with what the practical situation on the ground is and what we've done um as i've said as a way is uh, for example partnering up with uh, the metro departments um an example is the jmpd where we ran a pilot program with them um, earlier this year where we assisted them with uh, improved alcohol testing at roadblocks, as well as real-time data capturing to ensure that the evidence collected during the roadblocks was sufficiently robust enough to be admissible in court. And we saw that this had a 6% reduction year on year when it came to the numbers um, of people caught for drinking under the influence. So we need to be practical about our solutions and we need to be realistic. I don't know what, yeah, we need to be realistic. And, you know, for lack of a better word, we need to be uh, sober minded when we come up with these solutions. I mean, I think many of us are impassioned, uh, specifically when we see the numbers, when we see the effects, but we need to consider and take everything into consideration, um, especially when it comes to policy, which we as a way are not um, in charge of. We are our mandate is harm reduction. Um, uh, we leave policy to the policy makers. But the reality of it is that we need to work with what we have. And uh, one of the ways in which the situation can be improved right here, right now, is through law enforcement.
Mm. And I think sometimes we ought to also start thinking outside the box because we've noticed that, okay, law enforcement is in place and everything functions fluidly and you can have as many roadblocks as you, as you may have, but of course we'll still be unruly as citizens. Um, I don't know whether, you know, departments could actually uh, sit down, let's say transport department and of course JMPD, whatever, the, you know, the police to say, maybe let's partner with, for instance, we've, a, we've got Uber, we've got Bolt and, and all these service providers where you say to people then, we've partnered if you are going to, during December season, silly season, maybe have some form of a relationship where I can get transportation at an affordable price uh, so that we just avoid, all of us, just let's avoid driving drunk because I just want to take my car. The assumption is, I'm saving on fuel or I'm saving financially. Do you think that mm. could be possible? I mean, there are a number of um, interventions that take place. We just recently ran a partnership, a campaign in, uh, in partnership with Daddy's Deals, uh, the RTMC. So it's a public-private partnership. Um, it is very much in line with thinking out of the box to see how we can get into the hearts and into the minds of road users and get them to start thinking about this problem uh, differently. There are various campaigns that have been run with um, e-hailing uh, partners. I mean, Uber is just one of them. There are a number of um, e-hailing organizations out there. Um, but fundamentally you have to you have to address the core of the problem right because we if we keep putting plasters on the problem it doesn't change anything and that is why we are about education we are about awareness we are about behavioral change so it takes closing the gaps in all of these departments and one of them as i said is law enforcement one of them um then is what do we do with the people that uh, then have gone to for example jail because of uh, of this and its partnerships with the likes of necro for rehabilitation so it is a loop that you have to look at and you have to look at the different points in the loop in which you can address in order for us to fully address a problem. It's not easy, quick win fixes, which are great and, you know, sometimes can be impactful, especially um, in terms of thinking out of the box and in terms of capturing the attention um, of our audience. But in order to solve the problem, the problem is a behavioral problem and that's what we need to tackle. Yeah. And changing behaviors. Whew, we have a challenge, <laughs> a challenge at hand. But, you know, why I was saying also the partnering and basically it was triggered by when you look at the transportation system in Europe you find that everything connects and people don't feel the need to drive. So you can really honestly go out and party like a madman and you know that you're just walking from one train station to the other and it connects you to where you need to go and you walk home. And maybe these are some of the things, maybe, just maybe, we could implement because if other countries are making it work, we must at least adopt some of those templates, implement in our system and hope that it works. Absolutely. And I mean, I think there needs to be experimentation. There needs to be test and learn. We need to learn from best in class, whether it be locally or globally or uh, within the continent. But when we use such examples, we also have to compare 
oranges to oranges. So it's all um, good and well, for example, comparing a, a European country that has a completely different socioeconomic setup to South Africa and say, this is what worked, this is what worked. And yes, we, we do that. We take the best in the different um, places, uh, the, the best practices, and we see how we can integrate them. And I mean, we sit around the table with the specific stakeholders and we have these conversations to see what is it that we can implement? What trick are we missing? How can we improve on this? And you're right, there are places in which, uh, for example, uh, creating a seamless transportation system has worked. But when you think about it, if we had the magic dust to create a seamless transportation system, I believe we probably would have um, already, you know, and if you think about the facts of the matter, and if you look at the fatalities on the roads, if you look at the, the crashes even, if you look at the number of incidents, you even have to then break it down to why, what, what is the cause of these uh, particular incidents. And drinking under the influence is just one of them. And it's not, it's not in fact, even one of the largest ones. It, it is things like driver fatigue. It is things like um, driving uh, vehicles that aren't roadworthy. There's so many factors that need to come to the fore when we have these conversations. But one of the things that we certainly can prevent as a people, as a society, as a whole of society, is saying that we will not, you know, I will not watch my friend get behind the wheel of a car when I know that my friend is intoxicated. That's something I can do. It's easy for me to do uh, without having to bring in, oh, no, the government hasn't done this or stakeholder B, C, D hasn't done that. We are all in this together and I think we need to act that way. Absolutely right. Mokepe Tulo, uh, aware.org.za head of brand. And just your last few words of, uh, you know, something that you can live, we can live with the listeners so that they remember that they need to be safe. Anything? Yes. I mean, I think that before you go out, this is a, a wonderful time of year. It's been a difficult year. It's been a difficult couple of years and everybody deserves an opportunity to let their hair down, to spend some time with family and friends and to have a good time. But all of that is ruined if there is any sort of incident, you know, that uh, occurs on the road. So before we make a decision to go out, let's plan ahead. Let's think about how am I get, going to get home? Do I have a designated driver? Am I going to, for example, I don't know, spend the evening at my friend's place? Am I going to use an e-hailing um, alternative? Am I not going to drink for the evening? Am I going to take a 0% um, alcoholic drink for the evening? So let's just think a little bit ahead and not let the excitement of the moment um, take us over Absolutely. so that we can have a wonderful celebration and therefore, you know, bring in 2024 with a bang. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Mokebe, um, for joining us on Jet Set Breakfast and have yourself a Merry Christmas. Thank you, Bertha. Same to you. Bye for now.